and welcome to 80s Movie Montage. This is Derek. And this is Moonchild. And this is The NeverEnding Story. <laughs> <laughs> this is really Anna. I'm not really Moonchild, although I envy that name. That's a pretty cool name. It's a cool name. I didn't actually know that was the name that he was shouting. And of course, that was the kind of the, the climax of the movie where Bastion has to give the child like ch- childlike em- empress. Yes. Her new name, which of course is his uh, deceased mother's name, and we then find out, or in my case, I found out like 30 years later (laughs) that his mom's name was Moonchild. Yeah, we get into that with our special guest, uh, Mike Anderson, today, how interesting that is and what that like how that kind of informs his character we'll get to him in a couple hours we'll get get into him in a a bit (laughs) um but yes so today our episode is about the never-ending story it was released in 1984 and i'm going to just we do have quite a bit that we talk about with our special guests so i'm just going to jump right in with everything yeah so this was okay so actually i think other than the Princess Bride, I don't know if we've had any other episodes where the movie was based on like source material of an existing book. I don't, maybe, but not quite as closely related those two are. Like the Never Ending Story and the Princess Bride are both like books come to life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, yes, so this is based on a novel of the same name by a gentleman named Michael Ende. I'm going to say. I mean, that works. That works for me. E-N-D-E. Yeah. I feel like there's not a lot more to like to be able to elaborate on that name. I mean, um, yeah. End? Endy? Endy, maybe? So so it's based on his book. And what what is really interesting about this particular movie is that actually it has like German roots. It was a German production. German book, right? German book. Yeah. Yeah. And so as you will begin to see as I go through all these different names that are um, attached to the film, they're all pretty much German. So so it's, yeah, interesting how that all came in play because it's obviously a film that was shot in English and appeals obviously to a huge English audience or American audience and nevertheless there are there is a german version and the differences between the u.s and german versions are numerous oh yeah there are are so many uh, differences okay all all these like slight minor differences that probably would uh would give the viewer a different experience okay cool well we'll get into that okay so based off his novel and then as far as the actual screenplay goes it's a shared credit between herman weigel Mm-hmm. And then the director of the film, Wolfgang Peterson, if ever there was a German first name, Wolfgang is it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, <laughs> and so <laughs> so, so they split the credit for the screenplay. And then also I thought this was really interesting because I noticed another name that had a credit under uh, the written by credit, Robert Easton. And so I did a little investigation on this guy. So he was actually the dialect coach on oh. the never ending story. Okay. And that is like a big part of what his like job was. Like that's what he did for a lot of films. And so my guess is that through him being a dialect coach, I don't know if there were like maybe certain phrases that were particularly difficult for like the actors to say. Maybe he suggested some changes because his like his credit is actually additional dialogue. So so I thought that was kind of interesting that they gave him like props for that. Yeah. 
but he also actually he has like and you know what i i always part I, i'm sorry if i'm the only one that finds this interesting but i always find it really fascinating that for people who work in the industry the a lot of the times they're like doing a lot of different things they're hustlers yeah and so in addition to being a dialect coach for a lot of films he also was an actor and he has over 150 acting credits on... i wonder if he would say that he is an actor who's also done some dialect coaching yeah pro- probably but yeah he uh he has some interesting credits um he had like bit parts for instance in Working Girl, Star Trek Six, Undiscovered Country, Oof. Pet Cemetery Two, okay. and Primary Cover. So anyway, I just always find that really interesting how people come and go through the industry. Okay, so moving on to the director that I already mentioned, Wolfgang Peterson. Wolfgang. So this is a guy that like he did a lot of really big uh, American films as well. I mean, like t- let me preface this by saying that most of the people that I'm bringing up have very accomplished careers within what appears to be German cinema mm-hmm. and German entertainment. So as we kind of did with um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where there were a lot of um, individuals who were from Great Britain and had really established careers, although I didn't feel like perhaps our audience would be as familiar with some of those credits, that's what I did here. So, you know, I, I want to give due diligence in terms of saying that, like, all these people have other credits that you should definitely go check out. Um, but as far as the ones that probably our audience is familiar with. Um, so I remember this film, like, I remember the name as a child, Das Boot. Oh, yeah. The yeah. submarine movie, right? I guess. Yeah. I never saw it. I believe, I believe that's what it is. Yeah. Okay. So director behind that. But then we have In the Line of Fire. Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's Outbreak. A pretty good movie. Outbreak. You know, Outbreak for reasons that are obvious to anyone who's listening to this podcast in 2020. <laughs> like it's popular, but I'm not going to watch that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've that. seen it, but I don't need to see it again. <laughs> Air Force One. Yeah, get off my plane. Get off my plane. The Perfect Storm. Okay. Troy and Poseidon. So he definitely has a genre that he likes. I don't think I've ever seen Poseidon. I'm aware of Poseidon, though. Poseidon. Poseidon. <laughs> so, so that is Wolfgang Peterson. All right. So, yeah. Okay. He's also in. He he appears uncredited in the movie, right? Yeah, I did see that. Is he? Uh, on the I street? think he's. I think his... he's one of the random guys that freaks out when Falcor comes flying down. Is he the guy with the briefcase? Yes, he is. Which, like, for sure, he is. Uh, yeah, he is. Uh, wait, is he? No, he is man who drops milk. Oh, so maybe if he had a briefcase okay. full of milk, did the briefcase, no, was it labeled I, I as milk? It. I doubt it. I doubt it. Okay. And for everybody who's like, what are they talking about? We get into this with our special guest about... About three hours when we're on our, <laughs> on our call with uh, Mike. So, okay. Yeah, that's really interesting. Okay. So cinematography by a gentleman named Yost. Volcano. This is going to be a challenge, isn't it? I know. <laughs> I, I, I'm so sorry if I say any of these names. Exactly. We are doing I'm our really best. really trying my best. Okay. So he also was the guy who shot Das Boot. So has a little bit of a relationship, I guess, there with Peterson. We could just get like a text-to-speech thing and just have like Adobe read these names out and it would give its best shot too. Sure. I mean, next time. Moving on. Moving on. What you might know him from is that he was the DP for RoboCop. Oh, the the original RoboCop? Yes. Nice. Mm-hmm. As well as the original Total Recall. Those are both great 
kind of hilariously hyper-violent movies. Yeah, so again, yeah. a little bit of a... Well, here's what's funny, is that... So he pivots from Total Recall to Untamed Heart. They're, I mean... Do you remember Spiritual that successor. <laughs> and he has the... Uh, look, films give people work. I'm not going to throw too much shade, but he is the guy also who shot Showgirls. Well... <laughs> And then he comes back with star sh- uh, Starship Troopers. Which is, like, it was kind of an underrated movie. I don't know if it's overrated now. It's become kind of like one of those meme-tastic movies. It definitely has a cult following. Yeah, no. It, for it, sure. It does, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, some of his credits. Um, as far as editor, it was by a woman by the name of Jane Seitz. Got it. So I I hope that's correct. Um, I choose to believe that all your pronunciations are either correct or so close as to be indistinguishable from thank the you. correct. Thank you. I'll stop yeah. putting out that disclaimer. I'm just going to say I try my <laughs> best, people. Um, so really the only other credit that I could find for her, because unfortunately she passed away um, shortly after the film, a couple years after the film was completed, um, The Name of the Rose oh. was another one of her credits okay. that she cut. Yeah. So, another great film. Okay. So, unlike a lot of... This is another reason why this film is a little bit different than some of the other films that we've done. Because, Let's get to this heavy-hitting cast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, we have multiple child actors in this film who kind of all went on to different paths and didn't necessarily continue uh, to be actors there in are the industry. Two- Two actors in this movie that I think people will recognize, even if they can't quite place it. Um, One of them's Bastion's dad. We'll get to yeah. him. Yeah, so G- it's Gerald like McRaney, of, yeah, yeah. Major Dad, yeah. and then Moses Gunn, who like I'm sure people have seen Moses Gunn in a ton of things. He's the person who who gives Atreo his uh, his quest, I believe. Oh, okay, okay. Got it, got yeah. it. And he's been in a ton of stuff. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's actually kind of the adults in the film who actually kind of stayed in the industry and have all these credits. And the kids are kind of like, what ups? Starting with <laughs> Barrett Oliver. So he's only ever called Bastion in mm-hmm. the film. But when I was like kind of doing my research on this episode and knowing that this was the story was pulled from a book. So you want to know what his full name is? Do you know what it is? I have no idea. Bastion Balthazar Books. Wait, what's his last name? B-U-X, Books. Books? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. His last name is Books. B-B-B. Okay. Uh, So I thought that was really fun. He he does love books. He loves books. Yeah. He has, what, 186 of them, I think he says? He has a number that I... I think he got that number of books from whoever came up with all the fake records at the end of Bloodsport. And that's not the first <laughs> Bloodsport connection. Uh, yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> so he already had been doing some work uh, before this film came along. Like he, I mean, he's he was a child actor, so it's not like he was really in anything um, like longstanding, but like he had the starring role on the incredible hulk yeah he was on knight rider mm-hmm. he was on highway to heaven wasn't he daryl yeah he yeah yeah sorry that well that that's like definitely something that was like 
more you and Mike. Like, it wasn't something that I watched. Daryl was a box office hit. Was it? Everyone saw that, and everyone loved it. I'm more connected with him. Nah, that's like a strong way of saying that. But, like, I also know him from Cocoon. Yeah. So, I didn't know he was in that. I, I yeah. mean, I see that he is, but yeah. I, and then he did The Return as well, Cocoon The Return. Um, but then, you know what? Like I said, kind of after that, and I know, you know, I had to do some re- research on him for something else. Like now he's like a photography guy. Okay. He's like um, teaches photography, kind of just doing his own thing. So, so that is Barrett Oliver. Moving on to the actor who plays Atreyu, Noah Hathaway. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure I got that one right. Yeah. So kind of the same thing. So he, again, had had some credits under his belt before this film came along. He was in the, like, 70s version of Battlestar Galactica. Which could not... Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the more modern version is... Yeah, you're really into that modern I one. enjoy the modern version much more, but I'm familiar with the old, old version of Battlestar oh, Galactica. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I've never... You've never I, seen any of it? The old one, for sure, no. Yeah. <laughs> and and you have introduced me to the new one, but I didn't really stick with it. So, moving on. Uh, he guessed on Mork and Mindy. Okay. Love that one. Eight is Enough. Laverne and Shirley. Chips. Like, all the, like, greatest hits of the yeah, that, late honestly. 70s, early 80s <laughs> sitcoms. Um, and Family Ties, for that matter. So, so he uh, was part of all that. Or, like, had guest appearances. Um, and then, you know, very similarly, I mean, I think he more so than Barrett. And also he was in 1986's Troll, the horror movie. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so that is, and again, kind of unlike a lot of the other films that we have covered so far, we're kind of just like busting through all these different credits. Moving on to Tammy Stronach. I hope that's right. Uh, so she was the childlike empress. Yeah, she was great. And we we actually kind of go down this path with our special guest. We talk about her greatness in depth. Yeah, in no, only she, four hours. And and you know what, her and the two boys, like yeah. they they all did a really amazing job. But um, what we talk about with our special guest is kind of the fact that you know she this was her very first uh, acting credit. I mean, she knocked it out of the park, and then she you know went on and like lived her life for quite a while and now she has like a couple other credits like she has something from 2008 a couple from 2017 but um i think she just you know again decided to do other things with her life and so that is tammy all right moving on to the adults in this film uh who i think a lot so the first one is bastion's dad like you you already mentioned him gerald mcraney um he's like another one of those guys where you're like i don't that name does not sound familiar to me but if you saw a picture of him you'd be like oh yeah yeah totally know that guy simon and simon made your dad yeah so yeah disgusting breakfast very very long uh accomplished career which for the most part takes place in tv land he's done a ton of tv and as we've talked about with a couple other of our episodes one thing that i think is hilarious is that so he was on like multiple episodes of for instance the rockford files where he plays different characters oh okay that's always fun i love that and then also same thing for the incredible hulk he had multiple appearances on that where he's just somebody different every time but yeah probably his like biggest credit is he's rick simon from simon and simon yeah 
So, which I was surprised. I mean, like, look, I was too young to, like, be into this show. Never watched a single never, episode yeah, of it. Never watched but a single was episode. Just, um, had, had commercials for Simon & Simon just, like, beating me down. Yeah. Like, I think I can remember the theme song to it, I think. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's more familiar to me than the show. I don't want that in my head right now, but, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I was surprised to see that, like, I didn't realize, like, that show went on for so long. I think it was, like, from 81 to 89. Mm-hmm. So I was yeah. like, good on them. He's gone. I don't know, though. I never see any reruns of it, so I don't know what he's getting in the way of residuals. But it's anyway. Out there. It's out there somewhere. You mentioned, though, so yes, then he moved on to, like, a ton of other series. I mean, it's really impressive. He was Major Dad in Major Dad. He was also in Touched by an Angel, Deadwood, Jericho, Southland, Comedy, Mike and Molly. Okay. uh, Also, House of Cards. And he's currently... On this is us, so like that's and that's just a couple of his credits. I mean, he he is like legitimately pretty talented. I mean, he's a oh, good. For he's sure, a, he's a great actor, and it, yeah. So it makes his appearance in the Neverending Story seem like he he basically is just playing this totally straight laced kind of boring. Like Very. he's got to you got to take care. Sorry, son. I know that uh, your mom recently died, but we got homework. We got we got a math test. Yeah, <laughs> he uh, has his disgusting breakfast of orange juice with an egg mixed into it and then that's the last we see of him i and you know what it doesn't come up with our uh guests because i mean we covered some so much other aspects of this film but i did think that that was really interesting is that you the film begins with bastion and his dad i mean they they set up the dynamic of their relationship very clearly But then what I find really interesting is there's never really any resolution to that, whether that is his dad not being on board with him, kind of embracing this like fantasy world life of his or maybe coming around to it. I thought that was really interesting because then you just have the introduction of his dad. And like you said, he just then goes away, never comes back. But that might be because of what we talk about with Mike in terms of you know, spoiler, this film only covers the first half of the book. Yeah. So it's very possible that there is more that is involves the dad and we just never get to it. So And I don't yeah, my, my knowledge of the never ending story is really pretty tightly contained to this movie. I Me don't too. really have many memories of the sequel. I know there was a third, I think, as well. But I, I'm not familiar with the book and I never saw the sequel, so I don't know, maybe where the sequel leaves off, it doesn't lend itself to an opportunity for Bastion to come back and have another interaction with his dad. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So, okay. Moving on to Thomas Hill, who uh, his name is never brought up in the film, so you wouldn't know him by his name, but he is basically the um, bookstore guy. Oh, okay. And again, pulling from the novel, you want to hear what this guy's name is? Yeah. Our author of this book really liked alliteration because this guy's name is carl conrad coriander ccc so we have bbb and ccc yeah i mean aside from the the fun of the abbreviated like c cubed and b cubed i like that he's named after like a cooking utensil coriander yeah so i find that really interesting i mean 
the guy had fun with names so that's great and you know what's interesting about this guy too is that you know as soon as you see him I was like yeah he's really familiar to me I know I've seen him on something else but I was kind of going through his credits and again he has he has not not nearly as extensive as Gerald McRaney but he has a you know some credits to his name I couldn't really find anything that I was like oh that's where I know him from so hmm. I don't know why he looks so familiar I mean he does. among some of his credits um something called Wizards and Warriors don't know it the only one that like looked familiar to me personally was like Newhart I didn't watch that show but I know what I recognize him from what from Clint Eastwood's 1982 Firefox oh okay yeah he's in that I can't remember his actual like it says General Brown so I, I kind of remember that character but yeah Firefox is a weird 80s movie where Clint Eastwood uh, sneaks into Russia and steals a jet okay yeah all right. Um, and then Thomas Hill comes back for the never ending story to the next chapter. Yeah, it's so. his book still. I mean, it's his book still. Still his so. book. I mean, yeah. Bastion stole it. Okay. So another actor who is like, oh, yeah, I totally know that face is Deep Roy. Yeah. And yeah. I'm glad you, I'm glad you, uh, are covering this guy. Yeah, he deserves to be. Um, so again, I don't know if his name is really ever... I feel like a lot of names are just never even his, said. No, I, yeah, I think people who were fans of the book probably saw these characters and instantly knew who they were and right. knew who the names were. But for people who just watched the movie, I don't think like 95% of them, unless your name's Atreyu, Artax, I'm assuming her name is actually Childlike Empress. Yeah, like that's what she's and, called. And uh, Bastion... But the other than those names, one, yeah. Um, but nobody else is really referred to by name. So certainly not Teeny Weeny, right? So that is his name in the book or in the movie as well. Yeah. But um, to give you context of who this person is, so he is the character who rides that racing snail. Yeah. Um, who we see in the beginning when we're kind of being introduced to the world of Fantasia. The rock biter almost right. rolls over them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So this guy again crazy credits yeah um you know had to like really pare down the ones that i was going to bring up but among some of his credits so he was in doctor the tv show doctor who but i'm guessing that's also like what we were talking about with battles uh battlestar galactica or battleship galactica what is it (laughs) (laughs) i don't watch it uh Um. (laughs) battlestar galactica is the name of the show right 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 it it is but then there's been also- so different from the Star Trek universe. They're they're very different in how they've like built their worlds. Right, no, but I'm saying that like so there's been different versions of that show and I'm guessing there's been different versions of Do- the Doctor Who show. Oh, that's well, what I'm trying to get yeah, at. Yeah, I'm not as familiar with Doctor Who. I know that there are like different iterations of the Doctor. Right. And so I don't know that they've ever that if it like remakes or if it's just is like this like ongoing it just never ends and they just like put in a new doctor and have new things happen yeah he wasn't the doctor but he's he was in one of those iterations of doctor who also though like a little bit more recently um how the grinch stole christmas he was in the haunted mansion big fish so this is where i was like oh yeah that's where i know him from yeah charlie and the chocolate factory that's yeah because that when I saw him when you and you click on him, that's the first thing you see is yeah. uh, Johnny He's Depp the as main Willy Wonka. Oompa Loompa. Yeah, so I saw him on that, and what a varied career he's had because he's been in anything from that to Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen, to uh, 
episodes of Eastbound and Down. I have that down as well. And I was like, yeah. huh, I'm trying to remember where I know, because we watched that show. So, um, and then you, you already mentioned it. So he's been in all the more recent Star Trek movies. And yeah. he plays a character named Keenzer. I don't know. I Again, I'm not a Trekkie. Yeah, I, 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 I can't place him. Like I, I know that he, in particular, he has a credit for as that Keenser character in Into Darkness, which I think yeah. was the second of the of the new Star Trek. Yeah, he's in Star Trek, Star Trek Into Darkness, Star Trek Beyond. He's been in all of them. Then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think yeah. there's only been those three. Yeah. Um, those are different, and so like Battlestar Galactica is different from Star Trek, and then the new J.J. Uh, Abrams. Star Treks mm-hmm. are often thought of as different from the classic or the next generation. It's a whole rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. And we only have like six hours to get to our guests. So. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to actually throw it over to you because you mentioned another actor that I hadn't put him down. Um, but the gentleman who kind of explains the dire situation that Fantasia is in. Yeah, I think I think that was Moses Gunn, right? You tell me, sir. I, I believe so. He's been in, uh, we got another Clint Eastwood movie. He was in Heartbreak Ridge. He was in Firestarter. He was in Shaft. Firestarter with Drew Barrymore? Yes. Cool. Yeah. So he's been in a ton. Anything from, uh, like I said, Shaft to an episode of Tales from the Crypt. He's got a pretty long, uh, prolific acting career. So I kind of recognized him, but... I didn't recognize... Um, I, I got to be honest. I didn't recognize him. He did have some... The like, voice, I think, I recognize okay, as much it. as anything. He's so a very, I, like, James Earl Jones type... I mean, the reason I looked him up is because I wanted to know more about this guy who seemed to lay down such arbitrary rules on our hero, Atreyu. Like, okay, yeah. okay, no, I believe no you. No weapons. No, you got to leave. Your, you can bring your horse. Uh, no weapons. But the horse will die. Yeah. Yes. He should have told him that. Yeah. Um, okay. So that kind of is our cast of characters and the actors who play them. Um, now. Synopsis time. Synopsis time. You know it. You got to read it in German, though. Uh, okay. We'll go to the English version. <laughs> All right. A troubled boy dives into a wondrous fantasy world through the pages of a mysterious book. Yeah, he sure does. He <laughs> He's chased by a bunch of street thugs after he escapes the trash can and hides away in the bookstore owned by probably the worst bookstore owner ever who immediately tells anyone who enters to leave, then steals the book, and he does dive into that thing. He's like, oh, math test already started? Fuck it. I'm going to go up to the attic of my school <laughs> yeah. for the next several hours, maybe rolling into the next day. I don't know. And I'm just going to read this whole damn book. That might be actually my call to action because that was one thing that I was like, what school has an attic? Like, I I really want to know if anybody out there knows that they went to a school. Like, storage rooms, sure. Yeah. Like that kind of stuff, of course. Well, I but went to school in Arizona, so for sure we had no attics or basements. We just had 
well air conditioned single story structures yeah like okay like i said like you could have storage areas you can even have like sheds with extra equipment and all that. like i get all of that yeah but to have an actual attic in a school i thought was really interesting what and i, I was like is, is this it... a german thing because like it is based <laughs> off a german book and maybe you know so i don't know maybe but... they keep human remains in their attics too because there were like just multiple skeletons yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, and I was like thinking about that. I was like, is it because maybe, you know, structures in Europe obviously older than the US? And so maybe some of them are converted, converted spaces that they've made into schools. And so it's not unusual to have something like that in that building. I don't in know. In the German version, there is more. Um... I think more coverage of the attic. There's a few more seconds of him looking around and kind of arranging mm -hmm, mm -hmm. something, but that's one of the the many small differences. Yeah, and I just, I mean, good on Bastion for being so like uh, savvy. I mean, he manages throughout his time there. Like, he finds candles, he finds matches. He like he really makes himself at home there. He does, but that attic looked like a damn tinderbox it was just ready to go up in flames yeah and there were a couple times where he like throws down the book i was like hey watch careful it. like <laughs> like set that thing on fire but uh i mean overall look i think that the synopsis it it is very to the point and it's not inaccurate but yeah it's um i i guess it you know does like a pretty good job of the broad strokes of what the story is about yeah, I don't know how I would really improve on it much. I mean, it's pretty short and to the point. It would probably get a little bit too detailed and probably really, uh, give up a lot of spoilers if they said, <laughs> a troubled boy realizes that the story he is reading, he is creating out of his own imagination <laughs> as he saves the, the land of Fantasia by saying out the name of his mom. Hey, they want to leave a little bit of something for you know yeah. people to learn along the way. Um, so actually what this kind of uh, sparked for me is the fact that they use the word fantasy, which will move on to Fantasia, the actual world. That Now, here's what I thought was, again, I know I overuse this word a lot, but what I thought was really interesting is that that is a major switch from the book. Okay. I don't know if you were aware of that. I was not. No. So in the book, that world is called Fantastica. Hmm. Fantastica. Fantastica. And in the film, it's Fantasia, which for a n number of reasons, namely Disney, I was like, huh, really interesting that they were able to get away with. I don't know what the trademarks are, but I'm kind of working under the assumption that everything under the sun that's ever been used for Disney is trademarked. So I was like, okay, real, real... Again, interesting to me that they were able to get away with using Let's this Let's change word. it to this more problematic term. Yeah. And I was like, look, Fantastica, eh, not, not my favorite. But like, it's a little on the nose. It's, is, it, is it quite as extreme as the land of make-believe for Mr. Rogers? No, but it's close. It's, it's close. So I just, yeah, just a little kind of sidebar little thing. Um, we do talk about this. And I mean, I already mentioned it at the top of our segment that this is a German production, and at the time that it was made, the most expensive film produced in Germany. Wow. Yeah. Out of, well, now I'm interested in that list of other films produced in Germany. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that nowadays, I mean, this is a whole rabbit hole conversation, but a lot of films are now looking towards a global audience. Oh, a thousand percent. Right. Yeah. 
that wasn't necessarily always the case. And so, you know, I think especially for other nations, like there is a German cinema, there is a Italian cinema that just, you know, largely um, caters sounds like a negative connotation. I don't mean it that way, but like just caters towards their native citizens or whatever. Um, and I don't know if this was like the first time that they're like, oh no, we could actually, this is a story that is, you know, universal. We can definitely get an audience outside of our own country. And so I don't know if that has anything to do with, um, the expense of the film. I mean, we talk about Mm. it with Mike. Oh man. I mean, all the practical effects and all these characters that they have to bring to life. Obviously that costs money. Yeah. Um, And the, the effects, I think. You know, we talk about this again with Mike, but I think for the most part, they, they hold up pretty well. Like the the ancient one, I thought looks really great. I mean, yeah. the ancient one is a giant tortoise. Yeah. I probably called him turtle, but he's a tortoise, I think. Oh, do you think that it's a he? I always kind of thought of the ancient one as a she. Well, I guess if we're in the Marvel universe, definitely. I'm wondering if I think of the ancient one as a she because for some reason it like reminds me of the Matrix. So I'll go, I'll I'll do this then. I will amend my characterization of the Ancient One and in line with their conversation with Atreyu, I will call the Ancient One they. Yes, good job. Yep, yep, yep. That is a much more accurate way to Since they consistently talk about, we don't know what you should do. Yeah, I gotta say the Ancient One, totally useless. I mean- Whoever suggested that, I blame them. Talk about a waste of time. The ancient they one didn't so, want this visit. Yeah, they're, and they were so irritating how incredibly unhelpful they were to Atreyu. They, could, they literally couldn't <laughs> they care less. could not be bothered. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they couldn't even be, they don't, how did they put it? Like, I don't even care if I care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, they don't even care that they don't care. Yeah, exactly. Okay, one thing that I want to bring up before we jump into our conversation with our special guest is the theme song which i adore it's it's great and it um it kind of hits you in the face right at the opening credits i mean they don't waste any time (laughs) no i didn't remember that so as soon as the movie started i'm like wow this is great yeah i i adore this song this is one of i mean whether it's part of a film or not this is honestly one of my favorite songs from the 80s so here's a big difference here's what i think is one of the biggest differences between the german and u.s versions Of the song or the film? Yes. Okay. Because when the movie opens, the German version has the white text for the for the credits on just a black background, and then the music that we hear. The original music by Klaus Doldinger. I don't know if that's the I don't think it is the same version. So an even bigger difference. So you get white text on a black background with the original title music by Klaus. Klaus? Klaus. I'm gonna say Klaus. Okay. In the U.S. version, we get kind of like all of the the artificial clouds, which yeah. I guess is like it's like representative of the Falco- nothing. It, oh, kind of, I kind of like, thought of it like I the way that I imagined that that is that you are kind of looking from Falcor's POV. Oh, okay, and you're like going through the clouds. I could see that. That's, yeah, that's how I imagine some of the that. like the darker clouds. I feel like they use that same imagery when the nothing is yeah is they approaching. do for sure. So and, and then we get the pop song. Yeah. Of the never ending story. Yeah. So that's that's a huge difference, I think. Huge difference. I mean, which is making me wonder if perhaps in the German version it's actually the score of the film that is being played over credits instead of the song. Well they or did it, it 
they did it. It's it's too. Um, I mean, it is a gloomy song. It's intended to represent Bastion's dream about his mom that he wakes up from when oh, the movie begins. Wow. Yeah, that is very different. So a very different opening. This this must very much go back to uh, you know I'm gonna guess like German expressionism roots, which it pretty pretty dark and so they're like the german audience they can handle the darkness the american audience we're gonna give them a pop song yeah let's let's uh, let's bring them up before we tear them down (laughs) which okay speaking of the theme song yes so here's what i didn't realize like i always was familiar with the name of behind the song which is i'm gonna butcher this one for sure but lamal yeah that's that's how i would say that okay i always assumed given the name that that was like a group name that is not a group name that is the individual's name who sang this song i'm impressed and they are the lead singer of a pop band you want to know what the pop band's name is i love it so much i mean i might already know what it is but i want to hear you say it kajagugu oh is that it okay (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna say it again Kajagugu. Yeah, I know. I'm familiar with the name of that band just because it's a wacky name. It is. Wait, yeah. you're familiar with the name of that band? Yeah, I've heard them before. Really? Yeah. I am not. And I just was like, everything about this little fun fact is is so fun to me. And I'm I'm just going to keep saying Kajagugu. I love it. The name of that band is the punchline of a joke from something that I can no longer remember. Oh. But I remember just hearing it as like a joke and like I knew that was a band. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Real quickly, we're going to do our due diligence. We before are? We jump, yeah. Okay. Before we jump in with Mike. All right. Montage. Oh. <laughs> montage. If so, there is a montage, there is. we're going to talk about it. Course, if there's yeah. not, we're going to talk we're about how it's okay. We're going to talk about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's very straightforward. It's it, So, Atreyu, he gets his quest. And basically, the montage that we see is him going through the various lands of Fantasia. Yeah. Um, at this point with Artax. And He's got a desert level, yeah. kind of like an ice level, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all the all the classic uh, fantasy levels. Kind of all the different tropes of like the different lands that you go through and that yeah. sort of thing. So that's great. I mean, it, it's very effective. It kind of implies, um, you know, the the reaches of Fantasia, the amount of land that he's covering. I think at the point where... Um, I'm not sure when he says it. Is it when he's rusting with Artax or not? In any case, he makes a point of saying, like, we've been going on for a week. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that is. Um, but I also, I can't remember. So if someone has just recently seen it more recently than, than us, <laughs> the, which was in, two days in ago. In the last 48 hours. Uh, yeah, he, he does mention something about that. Like... <laughs> We've we've ridden around aimlessly and we've got nothing to show for yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. So so it is effective. It's just kind of showing um, passage of time, uh, passage of actual distance. I and love the the music they use for those montages. I do too. They, they use it for kind of like any like fantasy adventure scene, like in like uplifting because it's the same same music at the end when Bastion is flying around on Falcor. And it's the same music when Falcor picks up a Treyu, and then yeah. and that's also kind of a mini montage because they have to go beyond the borders of Fantasia. Yeah, and so really exact same thing. So instead of a Treyu being on Artax, he's on Falcor, and they're kind of continuing 
um, the journey. Mm-hmm. So so there's actually a couple of montages in there. Um, like you said, with the same music each time, it's really effective. And yeah, for the purposes of this is this like fantasy land and it's vast and they need to cover long distances, it works. Yeah, I agree. I like it. I like it. I'm just going to watch the montages over again. Okay. I mean, I might, I might watch the movie again, too. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, should we jump in with Mike? Yeah, let's... Uh, I don't know. Is it... Have we... Have we been talking for three hours yet? Have we covered everything? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have. Let's do it. Let's do it. And we are here with our great friend and filmmaker, Mike Anderson. Mike, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. No, we're so excited. This is definitely, I think, a very different film than we have covered so far. Yeah, it really is. It's just like pure fantasy. Like the Goonies grounded quite a bit in reality, had Mm -hmm. like a little fantasy kind of side to it with the pirates and everything. But this is full on luck dragon uh, stories coming to real life fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, I, and I'd say if you're starting with the fact that Goonies is grounded in reality, then, <laughs> then I think this is going to go really well because that is grounded in absolute reality. I mean, I mean, that could totally happen. I stand by mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So we're going to dive right in. And as I do, I wanted to ask first, what your first memories were of this film about maybe how old you were. I'm assuming this was something you saw in childhood, but don't know that for sure yet. And just wanted to know what you, what you thought of it the first time you experienced this movie. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, as a fan of your podcast, I, I know that that's a, that's an Anna first question that's typically asked. So I was, I was percolating. Yeah. I was percolating the thought and I was trying to think what, what are my memories of the never-ending story? A, it was such a great assignment to 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 get this this movie because mm-hmm. it has been a while. But then it started. I started thinking about the like the times that I've that I remember watching it, and, and three times like reminded me the most. And I I remember the first time, or I think because it came out in like '84, yeah. I was definitely too young uh, mm-hmm. for that, but I was around. Um, but I, I was too young for that. And then I remember watching it on the TV with my brother. And I still remember with my feet, we used to put our feet against the, the old archaic thing that held, holds the TV. What is that? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like that. Weighs, I, I know like, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yep. Like weighs 70 million pounds yep. and like, and, and the TV <laughs> itself weighed 70 million pounds and we'd put our feet against it, my brother and I, and we'd watch movies with a pillow behind us inevitably waiting for mom and dad to come by and say we were going to go blind if we were within six feet of the television. So, so I, I still remember doing that. My brother was like, you have to, he's six years older than me. He's like, you have to watch this movie. And, and I just remember watching it with my brother, uh, you know, less than six feet away from the TV. Cause I wasn't six feet when I was like seven years old. Um, never got there. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and that's probably why I was too close to the TV. It's done to my growth. Um, and, and I, and I remember just being there blanket pillow, watching it with my brother. And it was awesome. It was, it blew my mind. So that was the, that was the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I was thinking back about like the other times I watched it and, and one other time like reminded me in like high school, uh, we were like 
sophomores and my best friend and I, we, we, I was always a big fan of it. And, and I'd watched it a million times and uh, we were like, let's rent all of the never ending stories and stay up all oh, night. And okay. watch How it. many are there? Cause look, I love the original. I have no memory of the second. And the fact that you said all of them suggests there are more than two. Oh, there's at least three that we went to the, the that are local Mr. Movies uh, for anybody who had a Mr. Movies. Like okay. we went, we went to the local Mr. Movies, got the stack, paid a whopping like $2 for the whole stack, got some stale gummy worms and went back to his house. And I still remember this because, because it had one of the legendary stories of my best friend. He, uh, it was exactly the moment when Reese's came out with its own peanut butter. I don't know if you guys remember that. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And he was like, Reese's makes peanut butter. That's awesome. And he got it from the Mr. Movies, which you should never buy a jar of peanut butter from your movie store, but you did. <laughs> um, and just because it had the word Reese's on it, that knows, makes no sense. But he got it and we put on the first movie. And by the end of it, he goes, uh oh. And I remember like we were just like laughing and crying because the movie's so awesome. And this is being sophomore. And I looked over and he finished the entire true story, hand to God, finished the entire jar of peanut butter by himself with his spoon. Okay. So, okay. That was my question was, what was the, the eating mechanism? mechanism. Was it just. It, pure spoon, pure peanut butter? Was it? It like, was spoon, maybe, but by the end, he was doing the finger ring around. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. it gets and, caught on the bottom of that top ring. Yeah. 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 A man knows his peanut butter, Derek. I respect <laughs> that. Like, like, but I, we were like, uh oh. And, and, but he didn't even have a bellyache. I mean, he, he's one well, of those kids. That's my just question. Like a, yeah, is that, did he make it through the other films? Well, okay. So here's a good point. We didn't make it through the other films. If any of your listeners have, have have watched number two or number three, they are the worst pieces of garbage you've ever seen in your entire yeah. life. But wow. number one is is a delight and and why we're here. And for our sponsorship, Reese's Peanut Butter. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Give us a call. So, yeah. I uh, thought maybe he would have like taken a chocolate bar and broken it up and then mixed that in with the peanut butter and then had kind of like a quasi Reese's. There's, there's a movie or a TV show that does that. Oh man, now that's he, gonna he was the kid who always had a nutty bar like in his backpack, but you never knew how old the nutty <laughs> there, bar was. But I never knew that. It. I didn't know that kid existed. <laughs> oh <laughs> man, are you still uh, friends? Oh, we're yeah, still best friends. Still nice, best friends, nice. So, yeah, that's and, and he still eats. He still eats nutty bars, and he still looks like a rail. We're forty years old, both of us, and, and he's, <laughs> he's coming out of the six pack, and I'm like, what the hell? You eat peanut butter all day. So. <laughs> so okay so. so let me make sure that i i heard you earlier correctly because you said you had three yeah distinct yes. ma- okay so that was number two yeah and then and then the other one was a a throwback to w- one time like with a with a fresh girlfriend in college nice, uh, nice. W- watching it and realizing that she didn't like it so i didn't like her <sighs> So yeah. it ended pretty quickly. Uh, that one's not a pick me up story, but it's a it's a good it's a good <laughs> test. It's a good it's a good test to see. She didn't she didn't understand uh, why the monsters and and why the no- nothingness mattered. And I was like, if you don't know why nothingness doesn't matter, well, why why imagination being ripped from from existence doesn't matter, uh, then then this isn't going to work. I bet she would have liked the sequels. Yeah, I, I think her favorite movie was uh, Never Ending Story too. <laughs> Well, I mean, that brings up a really great question. I doubt you can like verify this, but I'm guessing that maybe this was a movie she did not see in childhood because that's typically how it goes. We've had this conversation before where people 
have oh, an I've attachment. Heard, I've heard yeah. you, Anna, on this podcast, diss some of the greatest cinematic <laughs> masterpieces. <laughs> and I, I, I was questioning <laughs> if I should even come on this thing after your, after your, you know, your comments about blood sport, which is oh! masterfully made. Masterfully made. Um, I, I was, I was, I'm honest. I was disheartened. I was like, it, uh, it features one of the greatest dick punches in all of cinematic history. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that is one, one of them from it. In fact, actually we were just talking about, uh, I was just working with my editor literally yesterday, true story. And, uh, and, and a gentleman who Anna knows, uh, Tyrone, uh, oh, yeah. was was on the the co-director was on the thing and Tyrone was laughing and he's like we were arguing if we could replay a shot in our movie and I have this comment that most people who watch movies are watching it for the story so oftentimes all you gotta do is punch in or pull out or whatever you want to do and you can replicate the same shot multiple times and Tyrone out of the blue goes or you could just be Van Damme and have the kick in like nine different montages, the same kick over and over and over and over. And all and that's how Bloodsport was made. And I was like, and that's why I work with Tyrone because he's a Bloodsport. You got to be talking about the spin kick. That spin kick. Exactly. Spin kick to splits. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You now know exactly, Derek, this is, this, this is why I came on the show. I can't your- honestly <laughs> think of a better segue to Van Damme spin kick to the splits to my first time of seeing the never ending story <laughs> real quick real quick i just want to say for the record that mike i do remember you taking issue with me over the yeah. bloodsport episode and, <laughs> yeah. and this I- reckoning has been coming for a while <laughs> yes this is this is not a podcast about never ending story anybody who's here for never ending story you can turn it off right now cuz this is bloodsport take 2 <laughs> and I, I, I stand behind my feelings of the film. I, I, I have said this before throughout several of these episodes that you know film is open to interpretation. Not everybody has to love the same thing. However, when you reached out to me to say, "Hey, not cool," your thoughts on Blood Sport, <laughs> <laughs> I did bring it up. I believe in the Karate Kid episode yeah. and like made it known that you know we have some listeners out there who don't necessarily agree, and I'm fine with that. So here's yeah. how I'm going to tie these two <laughs> things together. Okay, nothing that I saw in all of Bloodsport, and I've seen it many times, and there are some horrific injuries. There's a, a <laughs> compound fracture. Nothing mm-hmm. that I saw in that movie was as psychologically damaged to me, damaging to me as watching Artax mm-hmm. dying in that goddamn swamp of sadness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That, and watching it again last night, reminded me of the first time that I saw it. I think I did. I don't know if I saw it in a theater. I feel like I saw it in a theater when it first came out, even though I only would have been like nine years old. Um, but that kind of like gutted me. Like yeah. that was one of the saddest things. Like one of my saddest memories of being a kid watching any movie was watching that that horse just lose all hope. Yeah. Well, and it felt kind of quick. I don't know. That, well, that was what I was so. going to say. That, that's exactly <laughs> what I. That's what I was exactly going to say. Uh, and I don't know how many times you've watched the movie, but like I uh, hearing Derek say that, I completely agree. So when I watched it again two nights ago, I, uh, I, you know, I, I, I was like, okay, let's let's. I poured myself a whiskey and I was like, let's make sure that this isn't going to be horrible and, uh, and, and like shatter all my childhood dreams. Um, and, and, and I put it on and I was so 
wonderfully surprised that it like held up to a to a to a fairly decent standard. Um, however, that horse dies so damn quickly but because when i was a kid i watched the movie like every third saturday it <laughs> it, it, it carries such a punch but when you mm-hmm. haven't seen it for a little while mm-hmm. it didn't carry as much punch because you know he he's like okay let's go artex we're on our journey oh you dead oh oh so, yeah, he, he takes yeah, one I'll look and suddenly i'll walk it that horse is like ass deep like that. Well, yeah. okay, but here's here's what I'm trying to say though, is that like in literally the previous scene, Artax is like nuzzling him and they're he's like laughing. He's like, Oh, you wanna eat? And like everything seems really great. Yeah, he got like three sugar cubes, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. He sure. he, he did. He did. But I mean, you don't wanna anyway. Um, but then so in this scene, I'm like, why is he so sad so fast? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like he had a lot to be happy for. Well, it, it, the Sea of Sorrow points out your greatest flaws and slams them in your face. I guarantee if I was in Thanksgiving, fat belly, super happy, and then someone came and whispered my deepest secret into my ear, I'd probably start crying right then too. So, you know, like, like yeah. the Sea of Sorrow can do that. Like, it, it's very powerful. Now, because we learned that Fantasia is all created by Bastion's mind, Bastion's mm-hmm. an asshole for killing Artex. Yeah, it's That's really just, on him. Yeah, that's just transitive really sadness. Bastion's sadness killed that damn horse. I'm telling you, Fantasia, we learn it was somebody's fault. So that's all. I it think that's dark. the lesson that I took out from it is it, it's the never-ending story, colon, it's somebody's fault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and colon, it's Bastion. Colon, they, we don't need a name because we've already decided it. It's Bastion. Parenthetical, don't watch the sequels. <laughs> exactly. I'm I, I curious if anybody does chime in and gets angry that number two is like incredible because like I'll, I'll argue like there's definitely sequels that are better than the prequels uh, or whatever the firsts. Yeah. Um, but this this was this was not one of them. Well, I mean, it's an interesting point because, you know, I don't know if either of you know that the first film only covers the first half of the book that it's based on. Uh, well, again, only only because uh, I'm a fan of your thing. I was like, I better stack up on my knowledge. <laughs> uh, so I, I Wikipedia Wikipedia the shit out of this. But uh, but yeah, no, I, I figured. And, and, and but did you did you Anna, did you know what happens in the second one? I had to be reminded based on the articles of, of what it is. And Bastion goes in and tries to become the the emperor and like is a bad emperor and stuff so like i think they did a good job of stopping the book when we still like bastion no Mm. i i completely agree with you and that's what i find so interesting is that uh i know that there's okay well full disclosure i've never seen the second film i'm i'm kind of derek and i i might have seen it but i've i i don't remember Mm -hmm. any of it and i I, didn't even know there was a third one i know for sure i never saw it um but it, I, you know, am aware of what takes place in the film there to your point, Mike, like there is a lot of overlap. I think they pretty much cover the broad strokes of what happens in the second half of the book. And you're totally right. Bastion is kind of a bastard. Mm-hmm. And, like, he becomes the little shit we always yeah, suspected he was. Yeah. I mean, and so he. Bastion. Yeah. <laughs> Bastion. <laughs> and so I totally agreed that as far as like the filmmakers are concerned, they knew, okay. Well, also, I mean, 
so many things are interesting about this film because it's technically a German production mm-hmm. and it was like the most expensive German production at the time. I can see why, because of all of the effects and everything that they oh, had those to sets, do. Those sets, those yeah. sets were just, I, when, when the ground cracked and moved, and by the way, he was like one inch from falling in there. And, and I'm sure we're going to get into it later, but all the, all the horrendous stuff that, uh, that, that poor the actor, actor went yeah. through is 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 insane but when i saw that set crack open in three different parts um and and he was like one inch from it i was like oh that was another close one and i wonder Mm -hmm. if they even told him like where the Mm -hmm. crack lines were the moral (laughs) of the story is moral of the story is as the watcher i was blown away by the sets and some of the sets they literally just walked through like like it was Mm -hmm. probably a three hundred thousand dollar set that he just went trot 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 and How much set, do you think the uh, Falcor, the Falcor rig was, oh. where they just had someone sit on the Falcor, and then they just had like a flight simulator screen in front of them for I, it, it. That's one of the parts. Like I think a lot of it does hold up, but the moments when anyone is flying on that Luck Dragon just crack me up. It's so yeah. bad. But it's, it's endearing, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was just I was going to totally share the same sentiment as Anna. And like, at the time, it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and what still holds up is the acting upon that. So mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. when he turns left and when he turns right, it yeah. really does feel like you're leaning right and you're leaning left. So that still holds up perfectly. Like And the realism of like if I was flying on a luck dragon, I would probably also just repeatedly pump up one of my arms and go, Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's, I mean, it's, it's not it's not grounded, it's not grounded in reality like Goonies, like falling exactly. down spikes and, and finding pianos underground that are made of bones. But it's it's grounded Thank in you. it's grounded in German reality. Like Fritz Lang shit, you know? Exactly. So. German expressionism. We're on the yeah. same we're on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um well, okay, so just really quickly, though, what also is interesting about where the first film ends, so apparently the the author of the book was not cool with no. the fact that they ended it there hmm. and really took issue with the fact that they didn't show the complete story. But I think that, honestly, it would have been from a financial it would have been a never-ending story exactly yeah exactly no. there was like no way that they could do that in one film and from what i read he even was like asking them at one point like can you change the name of the movie and they're like no yeah. and i think he took them to the court he lost mm-hmm. um so he was very upset with it's it, it, we, we've out. heard this story a thousand times uh, where yeah. where the writer of the book is like <laughs> they didn't get my or or uh, I, I you know you can get into a debate with anybody and quickly lose when someone's like the book was actually better than the movie it's like yeah 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 we know we know the books are typically better <laughs> I'm definitely that guy yeah but. yeah it's like except for like under the Tuscan Sun that movie's way better than the book um <laughs> But like, wow. yeah, that was an interesting callback. I mean, right. it's weird because <laughs> on one hand, I'm guilty of doing that all the time. But on the other hand, they're they're different experiences. That's and, what and I'm Game trying Thrones, to say. Game of Thrones is a good example of that, because once you get past like the third or fourth season, you realize that these these are just intended to be very different experiences. Mm-hmm. And that's also going to be the case with something like Neverending Story, where they mm-hmm. probably invested quite a bit just to get that first movie out and like even if that is only half the story it's a great half of a Mm -hmm, story mm -hmm. yeah or famously famously the shining 
Like, mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's a different type of movie experience. And so anyway, as a filmmaker and not as a novelist, like we get it, you know, mm-hmm. we get it. Like we have to bastardize your, your, your creative vision because something happened differently or whatever. Like, why can't like, you just make it the same? Yeah. Why can't you like <laughs> make the four winds attack? And it's like, Oh, come on. Like it's just, it's just, but like, like I'm saying, like you, you have to, you have to view it in a, in a, in a different way. But no, I, I read my, that um, too. And I was like, oh, okay, we, we get right, it. You're, right. you're stomping your feet. And and it became the most successful German movie ever. Like, exactly. Like it's fine. Yeah. Here's my question for you though, Mike, when you recently rewatched it, were you paying attention at the beginning of the movie, the interaction with Bastion and his dad and his dad's <laughs> breakfast? Oh, 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 let me go. Let me go even earlier. Let me go even <laughs> earlier. First credits. Did you see the names? Like, 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 did like I, going to what you're saying, Derek? Is like watching the whole thing. I was looking at all the details, and I'll, I'll I'll go to the breakfast so I don't feel like I'm totally derailing you. But like, yes, I saw that orange juice and <laughs> and, and eggs, raw eggs. Owl. Talk, what talk is that? Owl. Is the that like ro- an orange whip or something? Like, I, I what is that? The 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 rocky experience yes. somehow permeated into it, and and Wolfgang was like Wolfgang was like, oh my god, Americans love raw eggs. We got to do this. Why? But we also love orange juice. We need a little acid. Why yeah. was that such a thing in like eighties movies? Eating raw eggs. I'm telling you, I think it was because of Rocky, and Rocky really set the standard. Oh, speaking of my friend Brett. Uh, the, these these the peanut butter eater. Yeah, he tried to legally he, he tried to legally change his name to Rocky because he loved the Rocky movies so much. And his dad gave him one of those ultimatums: if you can keep your name Rocky for six months, we'll change your name to Rocky. And he couldn't do it. So <laughs> came close wow. though. He came like three weeks. He's a real interesting dude. Maybe we need to have him on the show. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Maybe I got to exit right now and just uh, all I do is promote other things. Some of it. <laughs> So, um, but yeah. So I love that that dad, the the weird orange juice egg drinker, was also major dad and from Simon and Simon. Yeah, which I'm sure we'll he talk was about. Simon more. Simon, yeah, well, and cloak and, of, and cloak and dagger the- and cloak and dagger. Which was he? I, was he or was he not? Or did it? No, was it was an, Coleman. Okay, an older looking guy of that. Yeah, right? they look. There's a lot of similarity. Yeah, I can see much. why okay. you would think that. Basically, yeah. mustache. I wouldn't that, mind rewatching Cloak and Dagger, which I believe is 80s, because this scared the shit out of me for some yeah, that's reason. A solid I watched movie, it actually. way too young. Yeah. Way too young. yeah. Well, that's just it. That, I mean, that is kind of part of this like bigger conversation that has come up quite a bit in a lot of our conversations with our guests are these films that were geared towards children in the 80s that have a lot of like really uh a, adult isn't it I know that has like a certain connotation, but it has like a lot of adult content. Like with it's intense. Kids. It's oh, intense had, for kids. No, you yeah. you were trying to you were trying to tiptoe around the 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 word pornography uh, with the <laughs> word adult. But I will go. Are we for still the fact, talking about Neverending Story? <laughs> well, we are. We are still talking about it because, as I'm sure Anna picked up, one of the things that the writer of this book was so mad about was the exposed voluptuous bosoms of the oracles. And, yeah. and, and so I, yeah, that, quickly, I, 
vague, I vividly remember seeing that the, for the first time as a like, kid going like, what am I, what, what's happening? Really? We got to have nipples. Well, okay. you should have, I mean, look, why not have nipples? Like that's humanity. I guess like, if you're, you're going to go for it. Your Europeans are so much more about that. But I, what I was going to say is when I was thinking as a kid, no, when I was thinking as like back as a kid of like, when I watched it, did I have like, like, like sexual feelings for for this or was the movie powerful enough that I didn't even notice and for sure for certainty I and I'm speaking as a kid not as a 40 year old man right now um, <laughs> I I did not have I, I I was totally unaware and it could have been how shitty our TVs were back then right. but I, I uh, was that I was a pixel or a nipple yeah, yeah you didn't see yeah. the detail on there <laughs> I, I was totally unaware of like the voluptuous bosoms or whatever I was more worried about the laser eyes now who I did fall in love with and I was in love with for a long time was the princess she I mean we were basically when I saw that I was eight nine ten whatever and she was yeah. eight nine ten. So again, I'm only speaking as an eight, nine, 10 year old, but the princess is who I remember totally for the first time ever being like, oh, uh, you know, I would love to be king and queen with her, you know, type thing. Oh, so. no, but you, that's another really great point is that's something that I was thinking about with our most recent viewing is like really the caliber of the acting, to be mm-hmm. quite honest, of all the kid actors in this. And for having a very small role, she comes in at the very tail end of the film. She does great. Yeah, she's, oh. she's exceptional. Oh, she does a great beyond, yeah. beyond exceptional. When I, I kept saying, I kept saying, when's the emperor is going to come? When is the mm-hmm. emperor going to come? When is the emperor? Because I remember her making such a mark on me. And then she's only in the movie. She's like Beetlejuice, by the way. Beetlejuice is only in the movie. You, you want to guess how long Beetlejuice? I have kind of already spoiled it. But when I say the word, how long is Beetlejuice in the movie? You'd say like half the movie, right? I'm going to say five minutes. Well, don't be a jerk, like, Derek. Can- I'm setting you up <laughs> like, for a uh, long Like Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> I mean, I think that, I don't know if he's been beat at this point, but like uh, he only was in the film for 16 minutes. Yeah, I believe, and he won Best Actor for it. So Anthony yeah. Hopkins, for anybody who didn't know who I was talking about there, um, but yeah, please go, please go. Yeah, he, she's not in it for, for the vast then, majority, nine tenths of the film. When she does show up, kind of the entire weight of everything that's happened up to that point on and everything shoulders. that's about to happen is all on her. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not on mm-hmm. who's it going to be on Bastion. The, the gravity no. of the situation. Yeah, yeah, just literally the lack so of much. gravity. Yep. And I, I was really blown away by her performance in that. And I think that was one of the very first things that she ever did, I think. Well, um, so so remember when Derek and I rudely said, uh, you know, right from the start of this movie, one of the things that cracked me up is there are two names that show up and then it says introducing and then just goes through a boatload right. of names. Like usually it's introducing Christian Bale. That's it, you know, in Emperor of the Sun. That's it, you know. And, and but in this one, it was like two names, and then it was like and introducing. Blah, 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 and I was just like, oh, that's brilliant. That's how that's how <laughs> novice everybody was. It was crazy. <laughs> and yeah, I just confirmed that was her first her first credited acting role, huh. which is pretty amazing. And I mean, mm-hmm. she really hasn't done. I, it looks like the last couple of years, she's kind of put herself in a couple of things. But really, that was that was her big 
Oh. Her big introduction to, oh. to entertainment. Like she didn't do anything again until 2008 for oh, one. Well. Yeah, yeah. You, 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 you bring up another point of like, I know because I'm a fan of your podcast, um, <laughs> that usually, usually you guys go down total rabbit holes, um, of like, of like, it takes, it takes a while for the guests to get there. And I'm sure I'll be speaking to the fans. Hello fans within 10 minutes because everybody stops their acting career. Like yeah. three or four years after this, yeah. I Googled, I Googled Bastion. You right. called him Sebastian, I, didn't you? Yeah, I almost called him Sebastian because <laughs> I was like under the sea right then. He's like a photography um, guy now. Well, yeah, well, it, yeah, he, and, but like old timey or whatever. Like, yeah. like he, he, uh, uh, like he is so, so good. He was so good the way he like held his stares and his mm-hmm. looks and his potency. And mind you, he acts alone most yeah. of the movie. Mm-hmm. And that is, and I was like, who? is this kid and, and, and what, and like, and Daryl, I mean, I don't need to keep talking about other movies, but that's what a movie podcast does. Um, <laughs> Daryl is one of the best movies. I don't know if you've ever watched. It seems like a Derek movie for sure. Oh, with a little robot kid. I'm aware yes. of it. Yes. So <laughs> yeah. good. So it is good. good. Yeah. But then he stops acting after that. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's really nuts. Um, and, I mean, honestly, like this whole trio of child actors that are in the film, I would also say that they they all have their strengths. The one thing that I really love about the actor who plays Atreyu is he, I mean, he's called out for it at the very beginning. Like, you're just a kid. And he's mm-hmm. like, well, I'm, no, I'm this warrior. And he does a really great job of balancing those two sides of who he looks and is supposed to be because he definitely has kind of child moments i mean i think it comes up most of the time where he has a tendency to kind of like whine a little oh bit totally whine his- <laughs> totally whine and i loved it though how endearing right right and and so like i totally i'm i that's not like a critique as far as i'm concerned it's part of the fact that yes he is still a child yeah but he was he, a great warrior but he was also still a kid and he, and he has this like though um very uh this other half of him is this like very mature part. Like he understands like the weight of what he's been tasked to do. And yeah. he feels such uh, guilt over the fact that he thinks he failed. Yeah. And it's, it, it is a really interesting performance to me that, that, that he pulled off really well, I think. Really, yeah. really well. Like when he's standing in front of the wolf or the whatever his right. name is, not Nog. Gar- um, Gar- uh, Gar- uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but when he's standing in front of the wolf and he's like, but I am a Treyu and I am a warrior. But then the next line is like, but I couldn't do it. Right. The world is ending and I couldn't do it. It was like so good, so riveting. I was just like, this kid is nailing it. He is, he's that cool kid when you're in fourth or fifth grade who you're like, that kid yes. is a total stud. And then yes. like gets hurt in the pool and is like, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, look, he took on, he took on that giant, if not slightly chubby, green eyed, massive werewolf thing in like literally one strike. So yeah. he, if he needs to, you know, if he gets a little weepy afterwards. And speaking of crushes, not going to lie. Like I was like, he's kind of, He's kind of cute. This is speaking oh, as like childhood Anna. Okay, yeah, okay. The werewolf. The werewolf was cute. We can all agree, all right? <laughs> He's just a big fluffy bunny. 
Oh, yeah. obviously I'm speaking of Atreyu. Um, so yeah, I think that there was... Uh... Okay, so we all had crushes on all of these <laughs> well, actors Derek, when we were you, kids. Who, who well, were you crushing on? Minus Bastion, that poor kid in the bowl cut. I mean, like, I... No, I'm sure... They didn't do him any favors. I'm sure nine-year-old me had a crush on the... Tribal like Empress. Yeah, it sounds weirder. I just was going to say the Empress, but yeah. Well, that's her Which, name. <laughs> it's an interesting, like, but I, yeah, the author picks some interesting names for these characters. But I, yeah. I was aware. I was aware of the uh, boobs on the the, the Oracle <laughs> gate thing. The yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know I was aware of them, but I was also aware that they were attached to these like monster, you know, or they, they weren't sphinxes, were they? Well, yeah, that's sphinxes. how I interpreted them. I, yeah. I would say sphinx. So like, it definitely wasn't a, a sexualized thing. It was just like, you know, those are boobs. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, to to me, the most boob thing that I remember from your guys' podcasts in the 80s is it's a, it's a, oh, what's the line? It, there's there's not enough perfect breasts in the world. It'd be a, oh, a, a pity to, it'd be uh, a pity to damage yeah. those or whatever the line was. And I was like, what did he say? What? <laughs> I, I, I like totally had to snap out of it and be like, I wasn't even paying attention to that. Oh, Wesley, you just changed every direction I went in this movie. Um, <laughs> So, so, so if, I guarantee if a tray you looked up and was mentioned um, as a kid, I would have noticed, but like under, under 14, I really wasn't noticing. If a tree had looked up and mentioned them, that would have been. <laughs> fucking it would have been that adult. It would have been that adult movie. Anna was talking about. Well, that was something again, uh, you know, you notice things for the first time uh, every, with every screening. And that again was something that I picked up on last night when we were watching it i was like wow these the statues are the, stacked yeah the detail on these mm-hmm. sphinxes but then and i never went ahead and did it but i was like how accurate is this in comparison to like you know egyptian sphinxes that have been have oh been did you found? do it no i should have. i mean do I it right it. now we have computer right technology in front of us <laughs> We'll um, just uh, we'll continue to talk while Anna does research. Yeah, yeah. On type, 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 boobs. type, 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 type. I'm like um, literally trying to type around my microphone. Um, <laughs> and your but, security measures. And yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> let's see here. I mean, uh, use an incognito window for this. They, yeah, <laughs> they definitely went on their own. Um, they they did their own kind of like spin on it because yeah. who knows what it what it would have been back in the day when it was like. What an interesting choice, though, for a kid's movie it, to say, like, no, they got to be huge. It, yeah. Well, what, I gotta, like, what I like is, is was it an interesting choice or is it just Americans being like aghast? Like, what do the German kids think? What do the British kids think? Like, I. OK, so here's a here's a fun story. Um, who of us? <laughs> oh, I don't want to brag. Who of us <laughs> have who, who of us in this podcast have actually ridden Falcor before? Oh. I have. Um, in Germany I, on the right? I studied, yeah, I studied in Germany. Um, oh. I studied a term. I studied a term in Germany. And when we went to Munich, um, by the way, I studied, I lived in Germany and I spoke German in college and everything like that. I'm 40 right now and know about three words. That's how oh. useful German is in your everyday to day. All right. So um, I have so a quick kids, update on sphinxes. Okay. Okay. Well, well I was just going to say, nothing. there's, I was just going to say when I was the great Sphinx. Yeah. Oh, really? There's not, there's no, there's nothing chest area. There are, all. there are plenty of Sphinx statues in the real world with breasts. And if you Google Sphinx breasts, the fourth Google image 
is the image of one of them from oh. Neverending Story. That's well, now it's historical accuracy. Exactly. <laughs> the, 80s, the 80s are his history. So. Exactly. So uh, they, they were just doing what they thought was historically accurate. Yeah. Yeah. But again, sure. again, I think it's, I personally, again, I was really, really trying to think back of like, you know, little sexual awakenings. And because I was so intrigued by the journey, and I think this is, this is, you know, as a filmmaker, we're always trying to wrestle with sexuality and exploitation and, and the fine lines and everything like that. Um, or at least good filmmakers are trying to do that. And, and in doing this, I mean, in a kid's movie, if, if they were like, hey, we need sphinxes and they were like, OK, here you go, you know, like like and thought nothing of it. I think that's more powerful than being like, well, a child who was nursing and then quickly all the boobs get covered up in their existence and, you know, are sacred like 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 we, we contort it. Anyway, I'm going down a morality lesson, no, but no, I'm no. just saying I, I think I'm, you're I'm curious right about that. I, I mean, I wish we could, you know, get in touch with the you know, production design team to, to know what their thoughts were. But I feel I feel pretty good about making the assumption that there wasn't any kind of like sexual motivation behind what they did. They just thought that they were adhering to probably what looked realistic mm -hmm. to them. And and the reason why I feel pretty good about saying that is because I really don't if I saw something that was being repeated over and over again in the film, I'd be like, the fuck is going on? But yeah. like, that's really the only instance I see. And they even, you know, when you finally do come to um, the childlike empress, you know, she's she's a child. She has some heavy makeup on. And I know mm -hmm. that for some people that crosses a line when you put makeup on a child. But I do not think that it was meant to sexualize her in any way. I didn't mm -hmm. pick up on anything like that. I mean, I thought um, that she played like a very mature Kind of like she was a leader. Right. She was, oh, she was a right. boss. She was right. a boss. So yeah. I just looked at that as like contributing to creating this like perception of her as yeah. like more mature. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, and when also as far as like any like sexualized aspects of of like that Oracle gateway in the Sphinxes, I think we're we're not really putting the blame where it belongs, which is Bastion's imagination. <laughs> Again, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. It was Bastion who did it. And he was like, you know what? We need at least eight boobs on the screen. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. Got <laughs> He's reading it going like, this story has everything that I, yeah. <laughs> this... Well well, no, I was but just go, go, go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. I was just going to say the princess, going back to the princess, yeah. like such a boss. When she said that line, when she said that line, there's always darkness in the beginning. Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, shit. She's all like she's the only thing that survives through this thing when she had the when she had the grain of sand in her yep. hand. And and it was just so boss like and so confident and so powerful. Like, yes, you could. I'm sure anybody could go with a spin of like, they shouldn't have made her look so frail and so angelic and whatever. But like, I would only counter that with, she was a damn boss. Like mm -hmm. coming off eight years old and saying there's always darkness in the beginning and like the confidence and this and just getting kind of firm with him. Like just say my, you know, just name me. You have one simple task, you know, you, you little boy. Like just and the do look this. of uh, like, the ugh. look of disappointment on her face when she says, so what will you wish for? And he's just like, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't mm -hmm. know. And she's like, well, we're fucked. Right? Yeah. Like you're we're, just a child. You're a child and I'm an emperor. trouble. Yeah. Again, which goes back to just really an incredible performance by that actress, Tammy yeah. Stronach. 
I always this, feel like I'm not saying names right, but yeah, um, mostly because you probably aren't saying names right. <laughs> it's, it's, With my apology, I mean, like I, you know, I do my best. That's all you can ask for. Um, actually, really quickly, because you mentioned this, and I did want to talk about this. The name. Mm-hmm. Not- <laughs> oh, oh, oh! So, so, so I actually, I actually, when I said I had remembered the three times I had watched this, mostly. I kind of had spun out of control and forgot my third one because I do remember doing that once, but it wasn't actually the powerful one. The other time that actually, actually mattered to me, actually mattered to me. I was about 12 years old, my 13 years old, and (laughs) I don't know what child labor laws in, that that would be exactly 1993. And my friend Luke (laughs) Cheetah, Luke Cheetah, spelled with a T before the cheetah. I don't know how that worked either. Um, uh, Luke Cheetah worked at Mr. Movies. And, and this was just at the kind of the dawn of like DVDs starting to come out, right? Mm-hmm. I believe so or so, mm-hmm. like 94 maybe. And, and he worked there. And, and, he, and I was like, you know what we need to solve? We need, and this is way before the internet, or at least our internet. Um, we need to solve what the hell Bastion says when he oh, yeah. screams out the window. It was and a this for a is while. Bef- yeah, this is before the internet was talking about this. This was my own little Reddit on my own school bus, you know? And, mm-hmm. and so we got the DVD because we had just learned that subtitles would happen. And we put it in, Luke Cheetah and I, in his basement. I still remember it. He was the only kid with pool. And we, we, we turned it on. We watched the movie. And we had the subtitles on. And I'm sure Anna looked at the internet and saw this. It doesn't even have it on the, on the subtitles. So oh, I didn't bitch. know. I actually nope. did not know that. It, true, true story. Right then I was like, well, shit, how are we supposed to figure this out? You know? And then a couple years later, the internet finally came out. But, or I could have read the book, but <laughs> like we already discussed. <laughs> well, now when I watch it, I can actually like, I can see that he's saying. Moonchild. Yeah. Yeah. Which, so the re- what blows my mind about this is that. The way that I, uh, please tell me if I interpreted this incorrectly, but that was his mother's name. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. because she loves, I don't know if you're familiar with people who are named Moonchild, but they no, love, <laughs> they love men who drink orange juice and eggs. <laughs> they love, love Simon it. and Simon. Well, yeah. that, that is what is so interesting because when you, yeah, kind of like infer, well, what does that mean that this, this child had a mother whose name was Moonchild and she marries this guy who is about as straight least as they come. Yeah. Like what, what it was like a Dharma and Greg situation. Yes. Dharma and Greg is the prequel to the never yeah. ending story. <laughs> mm-hmm. that, is, that is incredibly true. And, and now that I think about it, I guarantee Moonchild was a little looser probably with her, with her, with her views of the world. She's Moonchild. Totally. She's a, she's a flower child, which brings back the Sphinxes and why the Sphinxes didn't need coverings because Moonchild doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> But yeah, it it is so, so interesting to me when you think about then what his upbringing was like, like just by saying that one name, all of a sudden it informs so much about who he was Mm -hmm. as a character, what his upbringing was. It, like I said, raises all these questions about how his parents got together. I mean, it Mm -hmm. it kind of like tells you just what he lost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You the know, free, the free spirit side of him, the one right. who said yeah. read, the one who said have an imagination, the one who could build Fantasia, and and if and and to get the name Moonchild, I wonder if the Empress is now going to be even more powerful because she got a 
such a free spirit, you know? Was so, she in part two? I don't know. I, I, don't know. I, 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 I tried to wash it out of my memory. <laughs> um, well, but, yeah, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, I, I think your Dharma and Greg uh, thing is, is, is funny there. But so, so interesting to me. Well, okay, kind of going along this path of talking about all the actors who are in it and their different strengths, what I find really interesting about the film is like, because I was trying to think of a comparison and I couldn't off the top of my head think of one where you have what you would maybe call the main character. I mean, he's the first person introduced to us. So you immediately assume, okay, this is Bastion's story and it is Bastion's story. However, I mean, far and away, the character who has the most screen time is Atreyu. I mean, is it a story about Bastion or is it just Bastion's, literally Bastion's story? Because I think- I think it's a dual protagonist, no no questions asked. You know what I mean? Like it is absolutely because in- in essence, when they're looking in the mirror and mm-hmm. yeah. they, mm-hmm. they touch hands, mm-hmm. we're, we're literally symbolically saying that they, they are the same persons. You know, they are the same. They are what needs to be solved and saved. They, they, they can't do it without each other. So I, I, would, I would split the line straight down and say mm-hmm. this is absolutely a, a dual protagonist story. And it works. If one, if one doesn't change or grow the other fails equally. I mean, I love, I love that point. I mean, I, the one thing that I was thinking about, especially like in this, the tail end of the film though, is obviously Bastion goes through a huge arc. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love, I love seeing that play out. I'm kind of wondering like, what is the arc for Atreyu? Because he is this warrior. And I mean, even at the end, he's not like really quite understanding um, what needs to take place, which I get. I mean, he is grounded in within his own world. So this idea of like, well, what this human child needs to do this thing? Like, why isn't he doing it? Like, yeah. I could tell that there's still confusion. And then he kind of, you know, then then the the rest of the story really pivots immediately to the childlike empress, where like all of a sudden you don't even see Atreyu, and she's like directly calling out to Bastion to help them. Yeah. So you never really see a resolution in that way for Atreyu of like understanding. And I'm just curious, like what you see as his arc and maybe it's something that like I'm missing. No, I'm willing to admit defeat on that one. Um, <laughs> he, he, he absolutely has moments of weakness, but he never deviates from the course, you know, right. Horse dies, keep going. Old turtle sneezes on him. Keep going. Like, like uh, wolf attacks him. He admits like, man, this is tough. Uh, all hope is lost, but keeps going. Like he never, he never deviates from his trail. Now, Bastion, on the other hand, he he absolutely has to grow into himself, get the courage, get the strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has moments of weakness. Now, the, while we're talking about moments of weakness, there is a moment in this movie that I guarantee doesn't affect people very much, but it is so influential on myself. When Bastion doesn't eat his entire sandwich and says, no, I better save this for later. I said, that kid's got willpower like I only could pray for. It's incredible. When he pushes his sandwich away, I was like, oh, I wouldn't be so large if I just had Bastion's willpower. (laughs) Alas. No, I noticed that too because I was like, how is he? How He took like two bites. And he's like, no, I got to save it. The long journey ahead. I, and, yeah. yeah. 
I mean, as I'm like, as, I'm like, like, I'm like index or whichever, whatever one's first index, right? Index sandwich gone page two. Oh, still oh. <laughs> so the way that so. I felt about Atreyu, like his, in, in the story in Fantasia, his, his mission, I guess, or his goal is to try to find the cure for the Empress. Mm-hmm. But really his, his whole job was to get, was to bring this moment together where the Empress could have that mm-hmm, direct, mm-hmm. like speaking directly to Bastion. That was really like his whole, that was his mission was to mm-hmm. get Bastion to that point where he would be in a place where he could actually hear the words of the Empress and, and, and believe him. Yeah. Yep. So he, oh, in, yeah, in he, way, he, like, he, he the Emperor failed, says, really he succeeded. Yeah. Oh, the Emperor literally tells him, right. no, Atreyu, you were to bring the human boy to me. And you did, you know, it's like, oh, oh, uh, speaking of the Empress and how cool she is. I'm sure you read about this. Have we covered uh, this? <laughs> yeah. Have we, have we talked about the Empress? Have we talked about how um, great she is? Um, I, I'm just going to quickly uh, Facebook here. Um, no, but like, <laughs> but like <laughs> the, the way the, I mean, she read that she lost her front teeth in oh, the, yeah, just yeah. before and she had a wicked lisp. So they built her a fake two front teeth, which, by the way, I was staring at whoever built that. Perfect job matching. Very um, good job. Especially yeah, fantastic. For the 80s, man. But I mean, to get a dentist, probably yeah, a dentist. Yeah, yeah. it could have. It could have. It could have been the prop person. Um, but uh, <laughs> whoever worked uh, on Falcor made her teeth. <laughs> exactly. Falcor's teeth were fantastic. Maybe they just used one of them. Um, no, but the way she had to talk and articulate mm-hmm, mm-hmm. around them gave her much more of an adult speech. Like it made her have to like focus on lip movement and i was really watching that and it was super neat and i wonder if she still had her baby teeth or if they well we'll just say baby teeth because they clearly fell out if she still had her baby teeth teeth, if her lips and her jaw movement would have been faster or twisted or different or whatever but like because of those fake teeth i i know whenever i have to wear my invisalign i i speak a little bit more like the king's speech, you know, like I just have to like really focus my mouth. And anyway, it was just a thought while I was like watching the very intense. No, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, I think I, and this is something that actually wasn't just with this last screening. I always uh, picked up on just a hint, a hint of a lisp with her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I do know that she had to practice a lot to, to get rid of like the more obvious lisp that she had initially mm-hmm. and as somebody who uh has had her two front teeth busted out oh, i can yeah, tell yeah. you that it is really really hard to try to speak normally when you have something that's like temporary in in your mouth because it i mean we can go in a huge rabbit hole about all this that has nothing to do with film yeah. hey like i knocked my front tooth out too you and yeah. i are you and i are twins yep. actually when i was Brett at- did. Damn that best friend. Pom pom camp. Um, oh, pom pom camp. Yep, More please. Yep. <laughs> I was drinking a clearly Canadian, and somebody didn't see me, and she was doing a move, and pop. Oh, yeah. yep, yep. wowzers. Yeah, also, was, why was the can kind of tilted to your top? To, oh, nice. A clearly oh. Canadian is was all glass. Oh wow! Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, popped them right out. Uh, well, shattered them. More, more accurately, I could feel the pieces on my on my tongue. Um, and so you didn't was, even have the entirety of the world of Fantasia yeah, on your that shoulders. Was, that yeah, was, you were in the sea of sorrow. Yes, right there. yeah, that was <laughs> that was actually an incredibly traumatic moment for me. In my <laughs> well, life. Let's, let's relive it. Let's relive it. <laughs> 
but uh, I mean, once you get good dental work done, it's all mm-hmm. it's all gravy. But um, but when you have something that's temp in there, holy cow! It you can't think of anything else because yeah. your mouth is this like tiny, tiny eco uh, like uh, what is it? What Derek ecocosm? Is that a word? What's no. I don't think that is a word. We'll say yeah, the word no. then. Eco ecosystem. Ecosystem. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> a terrarium. I think you're looking for the word terrarium. Terrarium. It's like its own special little thing. So when you have something foreign in there, it's like so. I mean, think about it. When you like have like a popcorn kernel, you know, oh, it's yeah. like stuck. Or even when you floss and somehow the floss has. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway. No, no, now I get to tell my tooth story. Yes, please do. It's tooth stories and and it's movies (laughs) and it's movies. So so speaking of that Brett guy, again, who constantly is through this podcast, I don't even understand. Um, (laughs) But but, uh, he and I were racing on the ice and he like spun out and I slipped and fell and smashed my teeth on the ice. And uh, but I smashed my front right one, but it shattered it perfectly in half. But serendipitously, it happened to be right when Dumb and Dumber came out. So I had my right tooth exactly cracked at the same thing. And everybody at school, because I could remove it because they gave me a temp thing. that was kind of a cap. And I could remove it. And everyone was like, oh, that's so cool. And so I always, Dumb and Dumber has a special place because it got me through. Yeah, it got me through that. Like, you could tell middle school, are you kidding me? Chip front (laughs) tooth. I mean, that's a horrendous experience, yeah. but then because of Dumb and Dumber, everybody was like, that's so funny. So. <laughs> that is, that's a really thanks, fun Jim story. Yeah, thanks, Jim Carrey. Yeah. Speaking of serendipitous, and I, did I say that right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Now, now, you're, now, now, now you're all, now you're all like, questioning. Uh, yeah. By the way, I want to go back and say table of contents, not index. But oh, there you thing. go. That's there you go. Good correction. Um, I thought it was incredibly lucky. I guess it makes sense since he's a luck dragon that Falcor yeah. survived the implosion of Fantasia. Because like it's one thing for a luck dragon to be able to fly the world of Fantasia, but he was like literally flying through space. And that oh, was yeah. something I picked up on. I was like, yeah. oh. That's interesting. That- and Atreyu doesn't need any atmosphere at all. Right. He, he, everybody, everybody's cool with with just floating in nothingness, breathing. The air temperature is fine. I mean, we don't know what their solar system is in Fantasia. Thank we, you. We don't know. We don't know. I mean, that was so. pretty ridiculous. But I did think the effects of all the different pieces of Fantasia colliding and exploding. That was pretty cool. That was like, that, that, that was solid held, even till today. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was that mm-hmm. was solid. I mean, it's also very lucky that the entirety of the ivory tower survived on its one piece of rock. Um, I mean, uh, now I'm now I'm getting a little snippety. With, I love that with they <laughs> they rule from a literal ivory tower. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. you don't you don't need to uh, y- y- you don't need to get snippety on it because it, 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 I can actually defend it. I mean, he oh, got a luck. He got a luck dragon. Yeah, and like dragon. one of I'm going to go now to the two thousands. Yeah, I'm going to go down to the 2000s now, or the 2000s, whatever, 19s, um, with Deadpool 2. Did you guys see that? Oh, yeah. We did. That Luck character is oh, yeah, awesome. Domino. Uh, Domino, is that her name? Yeah. She's so funny in that movie, and it made total sense. And while I was watching The Luck Dragon, because I liked Domino so much, I was like, oh, that makes total sense. Like, it's better to have like like Falcor is like I don't have any skills. We'll use luck, <laughs> and then because of like Domino doing the same thing in like this badass movie, I was like, oh yeah, that works. I would rather be lucky than good. Isn't that the saying? It is. Yeah, so, 
Luck's not a superpower. Apparently it is. Well, apparently it is. Okay. Apparently well, is. then I like I'm all in on, on what you said. I think I wish they would have played it up a little bit more. That's what is so interesting about this film is that. I, okay. So when we had just wrapped watching it last night, I told Derek and I was like, this isn't meant as a dig. It is, it is straight up an hour and a half film. And it does move really quickly, but it also feels longer than an hour and a half film. But then you get these like really rapid introductions of these characters that come in. And, and that's another one. Falcord does not come into the film until like halfway through. Yeah, he well, saves them from the, well, he saves Atreyu from the Swamp of Sadness and the, how do you say that again? The wolf? Yeah. Like, Nurga, Nurga, Nurga. Garlock or something okay. like that. Something he saves him from that and... Um, and then he's just adorable the rest of the way. Oh, he's so adorable. I'm telling you, in real life, still adorable. You get to get on him. You get to mount him and ride it. It's awesome. What about the scales? Uh, no, I oh, I thought the scales were interesting to make a dragony, Very iridescent. Yeah, it is, it is. Yeah, if he had been all fluff, he would have been just like a flying dog. Yeah. So, so they had to have the scales, but I do remember, and it still sticks with me that, like, oh, as a child, as a child, it was a little like, oh, a little I creepy. Don't really, yeah. I don't like the texture. Oh, the whole yeah. movie yeah. as a child has has off moments, but wh- when I think about it, I mean, I think you have to have moments that are above your head or or kind of mm-hmm. kick you off kilter or whatever, and I think that's what makes it so legendary. While you're watching it, is you 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 have these ups and downs, you know. So like, uh, yeah, I. I I really liked it. I really I'm just glad it. that the giant turtle was still as cool today as I remembered it. Oh when yeah, I was a kid. Oh, so good. And and his stunt of like holding onto that tree. That actor. I mean, we can get into the, this part. Yeah, that, we like, should get to that right now because that that is something that um yeah I also read about is they. I mean, did they even have stunt doubles for this poor kid because he got hurt multiple times? <laughs> clearly, he did not. He got yeah. messed up and. And Wolfgang was one of those directors who like did 40 takes on things oh, like geez. that. Like that, that sort of thing I do think is a little inexcusable, inexcusable yeah. um, where like, yes, you can be a master of your craft, but you, you can't break kids, you right. know, like that's, that's a little obtuse. Um, and, uh, but no, he got messed up and you could see like over and over and over why and how but mm-hmm. but to his testament that kid is a bad ass like he just had that like core strength that was incredible incredible core strength it was a, like an amazingly demanding physical role for mm-hmm. him. and yeah. i was thinking about that when he was like walking through the swamp of sadness like yeah like you could see the real struggle. I don't know what they did to make that thing. Take 40. But yeah, it it was incredible what he did. How old was he in that when he was in that role? I could take a look. It's gotta be like 10 or 11. Because he still wow. had that like prepubescent look to him, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, both. That was one thing that uh, I don't know why this had to be a thing in the book. But apparently the character of Bastion, he is an overweight child. Yeah. And so well, they, he, maybe he, that's the sandwich thing. You know, he, he, me. he said, I better wait on this. And uh, maybe in the book, he was like, good thing I got three more. Yeah. But yeah. I did, that is one thing that again, and I think it, it works. It works. So he was about 13. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. In any case, one thing that uh, works for both Bastion and Atreyu is that when you get these long shots of them, like you're like, oh, they're 
they are they're children like they're yeah. really little you use you, you speak total truth on that because there's when he's running away from the bullies bastion's running yeah. away from the bullies i felt like i could wrap my fingers around his entire waist yeah like he had one of those like elastic band uh, levi's you know yeah. that were like so adorable i was like run bastion run which brings me to my next point argue me this were those 80s bullies incredible? incredible? They were incredible. They like, there's no like, it's just, hey, we're here. We're going to fucking rob you. You better fucking run. And that was it. There was like, no, like, oh, I hate these kids from school. There was, it was just, hey, look at Bastion. We're going to fucking rob his ass. They looked, <laughs> they exactly, they looked literally perfect for the role. They just that one looked little like, shit. With the fucking leather jacket. I hated that one. I don't get me started on that there. Don't get me started. (laughs) But but speaking to Anna's point about the badass stunts, did you see them both front flip into the dumpster? And And, then they front flip into the dumpster. Then the dumpster door falls and their little fingers are still there. And I'm just so curious. And then we go on a side shot. And on the side shot, I look and it sure as shit looked like a metal top. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> did they get their fingers out in time? Or, you know, like, or are there some like really hurt fingers right there? So maybe a spacer or something so that it, there's enough of a gap. Do you think they, they probably didn't think that far? N- not according to yeah, all the other stories. Film, probably. They thought far enough ahead to fill the trash can with what appeared to be hay. Yes, or, well. <laughs> or the material that you would use to fill like an Easter egg Boxes. basket. <laughs> exactly, <Or> bo- exactly. <laughs> And and I actually, yeah, I clocked that too when we were watching it last night. I was like, oh, wow, great little stunt that those yeah. two kids did. And I mean, I will say that the whole, you know, they like immediately fall in and then like the next shot when they like peek out, they're all of a sudden like super dirty where I'm like, eh, I don't know. Like that kind of- Just st- dusty though, like a little yeah, dusty like, and- like actually Bastion was yeah. when he went yeah. in. Like they like really kind of overdid it a touch. And for but- them to immediately scream at him, like we didn't tell you you could get out of there. I'm yeah, like, these, these little fucking assholes. Well, that's what I'm saying. These 80, I'm telling you, Karate Kid bullies, uh, the, 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 all the bullies of the 80s are just so good. They yeah. just, there were three openings at the Cobra Kai dojo just waiting for these three kids. Just ready for them. Just yeah. ready. I wonder who the casting agent who's like, yeah, I, I specialize in 80s bullies. Uh, I just have a whole <laughs> slew of these assholes. Troy from like, the Goonies. He's a great ex- bully. Exactly. Like, like I think what the 80s did really, really, really well is they, they really made like the bullies like upper class you know, like they, they just like they made it a class issue where like then they everybody did. could yeah. everybody could always be like, yeah, you know what? You know what? Fuck the upper class. <laughs> you know, it's an easy thing. To, <laughs> it's an easy thing to hate. It's an easy thing to be like, yeah, you're right. You're right. You Those know, it's hard Yeah. So I just I, well, I definitely noted the bullies. I, I just I freaking it just reminded me how much I love 80s and, and, so and just that just that like what Derek was saying. Like, did we tell you you could get out? Like, oh. I hate these kids. I, I wish Falcor had just like eaten them. Yeah. Well, we don't know what happened after. He might have circled back. <laughs> I mean, it was just him like screaming and then bashing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so so that's a good question. Could only the kids see him or could the people? Because it sure as shit looked like the people on yeah. the street were like, like freaking out. Which they which, were, yeah, they were looking in the direction of it, yeah. but I don't know were they were they looking that way because they were reacting to the kids running, or did they actually see 
Falcor? I don't know. That's a good question. The reason why I think they saw Falcor, and I know this is such a like a random thing to have picked up on, when he was coming down the street, I distinctly remember like I know you're supposed to be focusing on the bullies but like I think behind the bullies there was a businessman and he like the reason why I clocked it is because I thought it was like a weird action to take he like laid down his um his briefcase yeah I saw that too on the on the right on the on the back right and I also clocked uh, a car like went to turn right and then like was like, well, that's close for filming and like turned left and kept going. And I, was like, I was like, holy shit, did they not close this street? Like you should definitely watch that scene again because the car totally goes to go right. And he's like, nope, 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 nope. Like some PA is like, no, we have a luck dragon coming down. No, closed, keep going. So... One thing that I like kind of just a little bit going off of what you were just saying because of the outdoors, we get so little of that. Um, I typically take issue when I'm watching something and I don't know where they're supposed to be in the world, but I think it actually works for the story that you don't quite know. Obviously it's like a city. It appears that they wanted it to look like an American city, but you don't quite know. And I think that that works really well because he, I think in some ways like Bastion, he kind of is like the everyday kid who is more caught up in his fantasy life and his fantasy world than the real world. And the real world in this story is Fantasia. Yeah. Yeah. Fantasia is way more important than whatever random city they happen to be in. Now, that being said, for all you uh, football and uh, baseball fans in the world or Minnesotans, as a kid growing up, I always thought it was downtown Minneapolis because there's that dome in the background with the inflated uh, white dome. Um, and uh, and so all of you who knew that the Minnesota was famous for having the inflatable dome um, where all the sports teams played up until like three years ago, um, oh. there, it's, it's down the shot and there's the dome. And I, we were 1000% convinced that that was our, that that was our downtown because there was all a right. dome. Now, we learn it's Canada, but um, uh, yeah, that was always, that was always something that really connected. So I'm curious if your Minnesota fans or those who knew it ever saw that dome, or maybe you guys weren't even looking at the dome, but like for us, we saw it and focused and we're like, Holy crap, it's the dome. It's the dome. So. Well, okay. So one thing that you had mentioned when we were talking about bullies and just, you know, the state of eighties films, I think that that leads us to kind of like a great kind of closing topic, which is, the idea of whether or not a film like this could be made today. And if it was, what would that film look like? Oh, I got to jump in and say, I want this to be remade as a Netflix series. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't you, agree with you more. Yeah? I think this is absolutely positively remakeable. I think it's absolutely positively wonderful. I think it's, I think the journey of this kid behind the book, influencing the book, and then we're the third party outside of it looking in. Uh, I think I think some people could get in and just totally crush this movie um, in like in like the best ways possible and just really bring the dark moments and the scary moments because I, I think we even glossed over it, Anna, but like you were saying like the movie's only an hour and 30 minutes and I'm sure you're gonna talk about that Spielberg edited it um, yada yada in your in your in your precursor to this. but um, uh, like, like it, they just drop characters in. They're like, you yeah. want a rock guy? Pop. Here's a rock guy. Right. You want somebody who's run a racing snail? Pop. Here's a racing snail. Yeah. Where are they going? We don't know. Pop. You know, like, like, like it, it's done masterfully because we don't care. 
And, uh, and at the end of the day, this movie, I, I wanted to say this just as like a filmmaker, this movie is super, super intimate. Like you spend so much time with Atreyu and so much time with just Sebastian by himself. It's like incredibly well done how, how limited of, of actors there were in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I totally agree with Derek. Like this, this movie is ripe for for a remake and 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 exploration of these characters i mean i would be open to the idea the thing that and this is usually what i fear and it often comes true is that like when they remake something that part of what this the appeal of this film is is the practical effects and i would just be afraid that everything would go cgi and it I mean, it's like kind of the Lucas problem between the original three Star Wars and then what he did later on. And it just loses that magic. Well, and I feel like that they would inevitably do that because, as we talked about earlier, this was an incredibly expensive film, I'm guessing in large part because of the sets and all that. And I would just be really nervous that they wouldn't adhere to kind of that authenticity, which, yes, you know, 30 plus years on it, it has, uh, some things hold up better than others, but, um, but it's all endearing. That's part of the charm of the film. And I just don't know if they could replicate that. I think, you know, I, I look at something like the dark crystal where they made kind of like that prequel series where they retained a lot of the practical effects in the puppetry. Mm -hmm. I think they could, I think, like a, a blend of practical and digital effects would probably go a long way in like really improving the overall experience. I think mm-hmm. you, you could like in some ways you'd want to keep some of the practical stuff, but um, this as much as any movie that we've talked about so far has some stuff that hold that still hold up, but a lot of things that just are, are pretty wonky. So yeah. I think if they, yeah. if they did it mm-hmm. and if they did it particularly in kind of like, I don't know, like a limited series or if they, that would probably be more realistic than having like sequels again, given what happened with the other sequels, but a way to kind of like give some stories to some of these other character yep. characters, yep. If, if those exist. And if they don't like, I'd watch them if they just mm-hmm. made them up, it'd mm-hmm. be fine. Cause they're all like kind of cool characters that you just never really learn as much about them as you'd like to. That's why I yep. wouldn't mind seeing it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And, 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 and I would say it like this, we're never getting rid of the old movie, you know? Right. So it's always going to be there. And the way I always define the question of should this be remade or should it not be remade? I say, how big is the world to explore? Yeah. And the yeah. world is huge here and unexplored. So, so, so that, that's the answer. Like, like does, do Harry Potters need to be remade? No, they explored the world. You know what I mean? Like, like the, when the world is heavily explored, does Goonies need to be remade? No, they explored the world. Does Neverending Story need to be remade? Yes, the world is unexplored. Like, like, go for it. Don't, don't. And that's why I would side with Derek. You don't need to make a shot, for, shot for shot replica. That's that's mm-hmm. that's not needed. And maybe that leads into what Anna is saying. Like, you don't need a shot for shot replica. But opening, cracking the world more. Hell yes, let's go for it. I'm all about it. Yeah. Well, on that note, Mike. Thank mm-hmm. you yeah. so much. This has been This has been a so, lot of fun. Thank you. I feel like you guys I feel like you guys probably had bullet points and you didn't know what kind of guest you had on. No, well, this was great. Knowing <laughs> what kind of guest we had coming, I have no bullet points. <laughs> good. Good cuz uh, No, have... this was awesome. We loved hearing about your friend Brent. Um, yeah. Well, we... <laughs> 
Shout out to Brent. <laughs> and Luke, Luke Cheetah spelled with a T. Yes, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely have him on the show in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, th- this has been so fun. It's obvious that you adore this movie. And like I've said many times before, like our guests never fail us and just providing like amazing commentary for all these different movies. Um, so thank you for your time today. I... You know, like I had introduced you, we all know that you're a filmmaker, and I just wanted to ask what you've been up to lately. I know we're in strange times, but mm-hmm. um, what what projects do you have going on? You know, you 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 say you say we're in strange times, and uh, and what was interesting last night watching this is uh, the the wolf. <laughs> we still cannot get his name um, <laughs> or her name. I don't know. Um, uh, the wolf was like. It is time. The nothingness is in is when there's despair and no hope. And I was like, "Oh shit! COVID totally destroyed yeah. them. To- totally destroyed Fantasia. Like there's no hope and despair everywhere." I was just like devastated. Um, but that's not what the question you asked. Uh, I just want to talk about a never-ending story constantly. Um, it's okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, there is there is like a depth to this film that resonates right now that otherwise it maybe wouldn't have. Yeah, yeah. maybe that's it. Maybe that's Gamork. exactly it. Gamork like, was his you. name, by the Gamork. way. Gamork. I, was, yeah. I was close. I knew You're, it started with a G and ended with a K. I was the first yeah. from from it. So quick, quick, quick. Last question. Quick, last question. Serious sure. question. Because my wife always accuses me of like crying during commercials, so I'm a bit of an emotional person. But did any of you cry during the end of this movie? I did not. When I was a, I know, I know that I had emotional, like an emotional response when I was a kid, not as mm-hmm. an adult, because I'm, I'm ha- like, I, I know I cried for sure. Um, the first couple times I saw our tax die. Yeah. Um, I know that I also got emotional when the Empress was calling out to Bastion. That's yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, that- I have those responses, but maybe kind of like what you were saying, like at the top of our time together, like since it had been a while since I had seen it, I think I, I don't know. There was like a little bit of a distance that I had from the film other Mm -hmm. than when I, cause I, same as you, like I watched it all the time as a kid. So, um, yeah. Yeah. The, the Artex did not get me. The Artex, like I said, did not get me because it's too fast. And I think you have to have a residual build Mm -hmm, to, to mm -hmm. really have that hit. But when the princess was begging, mm-hmm. tears were flow. I mean, this was like twelve thirty at night. Tears were flowing down my face. I was, oh man, just flowing down my face. Unlike Derek, the cold, heartless man. <sighs> I watched emotionless. Yeah, you were like, give her a name or don't. Who cares about Fantasia? Yeah, exactly. Move on. Who Blow cares? the du- Derek walks over and just blows that piece of dust. <laughs> Stupid sand. It's annoying. It's sand everywhere. In my, yeah. In my, in my swim trunks. <laughs> but so. I mean, normally, normally, yeah, when I was a kid, for sure. I mean, this is a lot of these 80s films that were made for kids with this like range of emotions that they make their uh, adolescent viewers go through. I cry, I've cried at a lot of these films. As a kid, yeah, yeah. But, well, um, your viewers, your viewers should absolutely uh, uh, watch this again and really put their mind into it, and and just let it. Let, if they haven't visited this again, visit it again and just let themselves go because, uh, to me, that prince, that empress, ugh, tears, 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 tears. tears. 
Yes. But yeah, anyway, the question you asked was, how's Brett doing? He's doing, and no, sugar. Um, the question you <laughs> asked, the question you asked was, what am I up to? Um, yeah, no, we, uh, as I briefly mentioned, my co-director and I of a, of a recent feature film mm-hmm. are, uh, we're editing a feature film to be released here this, this year, well, to be done this year and released right. next year. Um, and, uh, and yeah, we're really looking forward to that and more, more details will be coming out on, on that one. I, uh, I, I definitely, um, it's it's gonna be a good one. It's gonna be a good film, and Yay. more to come later when when there's more details about it. But uh, otherwise, just just hanging in there. So. Yeah. Well, we have thoroughly enjoyed having you on the show. Would love to have you back, and uh, yeah, maybe we'll have you back so that uh, we can talk about another fun '80s movie, and you can give us an update on that movie of yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. you got it. You got it. Well, an absolute pleasure here as well. So. Uh, May this podcast be never-ending, and we'll talk with you later. (laughs) All right. Talk to you later, Mike. Bye. Perfect. And so that was our really fun conversation with Mike Anderson. He's great, and it's obvious that he loves this movie. And like I have said before, our guests never fail us. They always have really great things to say about our movies. It's true. Yeah, no, I mean, it was it was great. And uh, I don't know how you couldn't love that movie. Although Mike told us specifically about someone who didn't like it. And I think we're all happy that that person is no longer in his part life. Of, part of Mike's life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As if we have any say over that in any way. Um, okay. So, I mean, you... You mentioned it earlier, actually, right before we went into the conversation with that Mike. That I'm going to watch all the montages? Yeah. So so I guess mutually here, like, yeah. Here's the thing. This probably isn't a movie where I'm going to be like, hey, let's watch a movie. Let's watch The NeverEnding Story. Yeah. I I mean, I think it's a great movie. And I, I think that part of that probably is because of the nostalgia factor. Right. I, it holds up for me because it was such a beloved movie mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. If it was on, I would probably watch it wherever it was, right. wherever it happened to right. be. But I'm probably not going out of my way to watch it. And part of that is because some portions of it I don't think like have held up as well effects wise. Where it's like it's kind of like wonky. Uh, and we talked about it with Mike. I would totally be on board with like either a remake or if they like did a refresh or reboot mm-hmm. of it. And I think. It's something that would that would work really well with that. Yeah, I mean, even though I usually am a hard no on reboots and anything like that that, you know, pulls these beloved entities from the 80s and they want to refashion them, I'd be open to it because yeah. my, Mike makes actually a really excellent point about how to guide your opinion with that kind of stuff. And I totally agree with him that – you know, is this a world that's already been sufficiently explored? We don't even know the names of 90% of the characters. Exactly, exactly. So, so yeah, when he put it that way, it's like, he's yeah, he's absolutely right. This is a world that actually we just scratched the surface of. I would literally watch a series just about racing snails at this point. (laughs) Well, then you need to watch Turbo. That snail was fast. Yeah, that snail was fast. Okay, so moving on to our sneak peek. Of our next, I I know it's my pick. Uh-huh. I'm I'm like racking my brains right now to to think of what it is, but I'll say this much, okay? I'll say this much. Okay. Life life moves pretty fast. 
if you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. That's all I got to say That's about our next uh, our next movie, <laughs> which just happens to be Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. Yeah. So this will be our second John Hughes film that we'll be covering this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we do this, we trade off with like our quote picks, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but this is definitely one of my favorites as well. I mean, I, I, I don't think I've ever come across a person who didn't love Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Well, we can, well, that's our call to action. Yeah, yeah. if you hate this movie, I guess. <laughs> Please let us know Please how you hate Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, I mean, Okay, yes. Let, first things first, if you want to reach out to us to talk about your not wholly positive feelings towards Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you can reach us through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's the same handle for all three. It is at 80s Montage Pod, and 80s is 80s. So definitely, we would love to hear from you. Now, what I was like tripping over my words trying to get out was that I have heard some people who have different uh takes on what the movie's supposed to be about okay and we'll we can get into that with our special guest she's great um really looking forward to our conversation with her you know i don't know if you've ever heard some of these theories that the whole thing is just cameron's imagination <laughs> kind of like a fight club kind of thing I, i've Ferris... never heard that I've really never heard that. Yeah. you've never heard that yeah nope. that's like a pretty popular conspiracy theory that the whole thing is imagined and that ferris bueller doesn't even exist holy shit yeah it's all just cameron's imagination wow. yeah does cameron exist cameron exists okay yeah. um and then also i mean to a less kind of like you know uh, out there theory just in terms of like ferris isn't really like the hero of this like kind of how people have uh joked about daniel from the karate kid being the villain yeah um and that ferris in fact is kind of a bully because he makes everybody do like bend to his will i mean people can say no to him people could yeah i mean as cameron has he's like i could have said no i didn't yeah. Yeah. but i could have exactly um okay so that as you can tell we have lots of thoughts already about this one so uh that will be coming out after labor day as we do every two weeks with our episodes hopefully after the heat wave after the heat wave all right so guys thank you so much for sticking with us and we look forward to having you next time all right bye